0: Hey guys, hello again. Podcast five, number five. No, this yeah, will, this will be. Yeah, it's number five because
1: Craig Neal was. No, sorry, you're right. Number six. My goodness gracious me, I can't count. Boom, do you want to start again? No. Okay. Let's fine. just there. Uh, yeah, mistake. Warts and all.
0: Warts and all. Yeah.
1: So podcast four is was just Adam and I. Craig Neal was podcast six. What a great guy.
0: Five. 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 I've done it twice. Your brain is not working, oh, Christopher. Do you know why it is? Because you're wearing a hat. Oh, i am I keeping my brain in? <laughs> I keep getting slagged off for a peaky
1: blinders haircut, so I've put my hat on for a couple of days. Even like we have a Facebook group for the shop, and Adam put a gif in, which was Toby Maguire being angry with his long hair and Spider Man 3 and being like, this is Chris in the morning. <laughs> so I am being mocked.
0: Um, so anyway, uh, how are you, mate? I am good, mate. I am very well. Um... What's been happening? We've. we've return from the UK drum show yes what an amazing weekend it was so much
2: fun so many drums so loud
1: yeah I I think as a punter it's a way
0: better experience than a retailer oh yeah <laughs> 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 by I, <laughs> by a country mile man
1: it was um, it was great I got to see Benny Greb play
0: um, oh you did did you catch his performance I,
1: I caught his gig they, they, it was an evening with Benny Greb on the Saturday and it was split in two the first half was a clinic And the second half was a gig.
2: Oh, wow. With his
1: moving parts trio. Um, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a gig. No, it was a clinic. uh, And I didn't want to go to the clinic because we have him coming up. Yeah, that's right. And I didn't want to go and see that kind of stuff, because we'll see it. Yeah. So
0: I didn't want to kind of... But know, then I suppose, like, everyone who's seen Benny Greb, even people who have seen Benny Greb multiple times on the same clinic tour, say that no two nights are really all that yeah, similar. Yeah, I know, but we were also podcasting, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Who were we podcasting with? We were with? podcasting
1: with Ali Richardson, who'll be our next... That'll be the next podcast you hear.
0: Spoiler alert.
1: Yeah, so we were in our hotel room uh podcasting with Ali while, while that was on, so... Yes. So, if
0: you're listening to this, sorry Craig Reynolds, we got there first. Yeah, we did Craig Reynolds.
1: Sorry. Ha 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 ha, ha. Do you know what else we had? Uh, we had um, Blade From Within beer. We did. I don't drink, but I drank that night. We we didn't. I, I did. I'm sorry. I didn't. Um, but that would have been extra cool. Um, yeah, what was really cool, one of the other really cool things about uh, the Benny thing was that a young fella who was at the show bought his snare drum. His, we had a we had a Benny Greb signature snare drum on the stand? That's right, yeah. It was the it. young fella paid for it, bought it, was over the moon. About five minutes later, the Sonar guys came to me and were like, "The higher Benny was played a backline kit. It wasn't play. It wasn't Sonar who sent it. It was a higher company, and they only sent one Benny Greb snare." so benny played this young fella snare and oh. then signed it for him he signed ahead and gave him the drum oh wow like he was cool. on, he was he was still on the stage and the young guy got to the front of the stage and benny was really cool took a minute signed the drum and handed it over so that was pretty cool to see i stupidly should have socialed it and I a I, I didn't you, you didn't stupidly not. didn't social it rather. you had a little brain poop I did. Uh, I was also like three beers in, so at that point I was not thinking.
0: And to be fair, you had a full drum show slash set up for a drum show under your belt at yeah, that point.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I did. I had a long two days under my yeah, belt. Yeah, that was a long but, one. But um, that was really cool, you know. And that's, the, I guess, the measure of Benny Greb is he takes the time to do that. Like, still sweating from being performing yeah. for like two hours and still is super cool. And, yeah, You goes know, it takes the time with the with the
0: yons Goes to show what kind of person he is as well. He's yeah, totally. just very... He's not in it just because he wants to play drums. Oh, he's like he's he's a super good. Cool yeah. yeah, he's awesome. Um, so that was the highlight of the show for me. What was the highlight of the show for you? I th- well, it was my first drum show
2: ever. Oh yeah. Did you know
0: that? I oh, did know. Oh yeah. I think I had forgotten. Yeah, because it was just like everything happening at once. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I I didn't really know what to expect, but I thought it was really cool. Um, walking around the whole thing, seeing just, like, in one room, like, the Mike Dolbear masterclass room, there mm-hmm. was guys playing all day, basically, um, and then coming out and then hearing the rest of the hall playing all day, <laughs> um, which was great. And I didn't have earplugs up until, like, 12 o'clock. So the, the show, to, to for anyone who wasn't there, the show starts at 10, doors open at 10, and it also means you can make noise from 10 o'clock, but what I didn't know was that the noise... Um, only lasts for 15 minutes so people can only play drums or cymbals for 15 minutes at the top of every hour so it's like say the show starts at 10 o'clock they can make noise until 10 15 which is great but when you're in a room surrounded by about maybe 200 300 other drummers and then some and then some all playing at the one time and surround sound and um, when you've not got earplugs in that's a long fifteen minutes. It's a kind of full body, out of body experience. It's very, very strange. A little bit,
1: um, and it's a really, really kind of weird feeling when a klaxon is the greatest sound in the room.
0: Oh, totally. I didn't. Firstly, there's a klaxon to stop everyone. I yeah. didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, like what?
1: So when you start to anticipate that happening, you know it's going to be a weird couple of days. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But your body feels like you have a hangover. It feels like it's starting to vibrate because there's that much noise and just constant yeah, for like 15 minutes. At All least. around you. Yeah. So
0: like, there's maybe about, what, like a foot and a half between me and Christopher just now. Christopher, I just use your Sunday mm, name. I'm very, sorry. very much. Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> uh, the bread's here. With the long hair. The bread's ready. Um, So, with the Peaky Blinders haircut.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Old joke. Um, so there's yeah yeah
1: so like it's around sound chaos
0: yeah so like there's maybe about a foot between me and christopher just now so we could be talking or trying to talk like we are just now meanwhile right beside on my left hand side there's a guy wailing hell on a drum kit
1: yeah and I, and you know? kind of with a complete disregard for what it actually is at times which was what uh gets to me a wee bit you know that yeah. they could be playing on anything yeah. but that's par for the course and you know people are excited to be there and it's a great buzz and, of course, you know, part of the Aaron atmosphere, right? Spears was just knocking around.
0: That's, do you know, oh man, I didn't even think about that concept. Like, it's probably, if you ever go to a drum show, like, I imagine the Nam show is like that, the UK drum show on steroids. Oh, because big time. It's like, all these amazing musicians that you spend countless hours watching on social media, whether it be YouTube or even from years, like even like instructional DVDs. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are just walking around. Yeah, you do you know? remember
1: we we pulled up in the morning or was it the Friday? Was it the Saturday? It was morning? The Saturday
0: morning of the show.
1: <laughs> Excuse me, and we pulled up in a cab because we had some stuff to get to the show from the hotel. And Chris Coleman walks past us and gives us like the biggest hugs going because he hasn't seen us for ages. Yeah, like- It's just that's a little surreal.
0: And he's like just like on his own, yeah.
1: nonchalant. Just like, how's it going, guys? You know, haven't seen drummers only for ages, you well, and you're like, Hey man, it's all very very, very surreal, very great.
0: Yeah. You the, you summed it up amazingly with the outer body experience mm-hmm. element because it totally is. It's mm-hmm. like, man, like how how like how can I just be standing here having a talk conversation with Aaron Spears yeah, about totally. like about beaters? Yeah, you, you know were I mean? you had a
1: low boy beater conversation.
0: I did, low boy beater. I bought <laughs> one.
1: You bought one. Off I the did. I've had. I've done a gig or two with it. How would you find it? It's cool. It's a bass drum beater. I yeah. know that's going to sound. It's like... a wood bass drum beater. That's... Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I get. I don't know if I get more low end or not. The problem I would need. The, the problem is I can't immediately compare it to the bass drum beater that I used before because you can't fit two pedals on the one kit. If I had a double pedal, then I could probably work it out. Would, yeah, you know. But I don't. So. Um, but yeah, it's cool It's cool. It's yeah. weighted well mm-hmm. I like that um, So I thought It's sturdy as well Yeah, I just right. thought I would give it a try You know, it's a bit hipster I play a
0: vintage series kit You know It's hip- basically like If someone were to design A bass drum beater for you
1: Well, thanks you Thanks know, uh, welcome, I think they've,
0: they've put Peaky blinders on it no.
1: Yeah, they just, they just etched it in Yeah So, you know, I, you know Much like the, the snare weight thing I didn't really know What to expect I bought that I really liked it mm-hmm. You know, so Yeah, it was cool to try out yeah, It's cool to try out um, So yeah, the show was a, a road in success yeah. You, you know, were
0: there for both days, eh? Uh, three days Oh, so, oh I, yeah, because you were there Friday I
1: was, I was there on the Friday where you were in Leeds Doing the Leeds College of Music festival. Yeah, I
0: was, that was awesome That was good fun Me and um, Jake went to go and do that Yeah, good I bet I was cool. meeting loads of new drummers for Yeah, the just like like very green to it all And just, mm. you know, we had a stall set up And mm-hmm. we had like kind of a flavour of what we do Kind of, It was like almost like a warm-up for the UK drum show A little bit um, so we just had like gave out flyers. There was a competition going. There was just like everyone was so approachable and so nice, you know. Like mm-hmm. they just coming up, they didn't know about the shop in Leeds. Great. So it was like, oh well, that's wow, a I of... didn't even know you guys were a thing. Yeah, cool. Um, all the other stalls were really really cool. There was a home baking wow. stall that you I got walked... some home baking. I went across and I got some. Score it was really good. Um, yeah. I think it was vegan actually. Um, right, was Paul no... Hollywood there? <laughs> I got <a> handshake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Um, what else? Where else did I see? There was like loads of kind of retro gate. In fact, actually the stall across from us, do you know the Slam Dunk Festival? Uh no. Down in like England, it's like a pop punk kind of okay. festival. Jake was like all over it. Yeah. But basically they had like um they had a stall right across from us that was advertising the festival but also on the stall was like an old school like you know when you go into like arcades it yeah, was like the like house of the living dead so like game well, yeah like that kind of thing but it was like a proper like zombie apocalypse game wow. like like arcade machine game yeah. and you could just stand and play that all day if sweet. you wanted like for full free sweet um so me and Jake had a great time at that and mm-hmm. then i came from that to the yeah show. and
1: then we had to build a stand and put drums on it and we won't talk about that because that was that was like that was tough yeah that was hard um
0: but yes, yeah. It's part of the course, isn't it? For
2: the, yeah, for the show? it is.
1: um, and we, we you know we sold some gear. We sold a uh oh, two kits, two snares, pedals, that kind of thing, you know. So it was successful. Did you talk about the gear
0: there, man? No, some of the stuff so, we got was awesome.
1: Yeah, so we were at the UK drum show in conjunction with Sonar Drums. Um In
0: case you can't tell, we're very big fans of Sonar and
1: So on the stand, and I'm and I'm gonna use my my I'm going to go left to right. If you were looking at the stand, we had a seven-piece AQ2 in titanium quartz. Yep, we had a four-piece ProLite and Elder Tree. In the middle, we had a very sensational SQ2 in light green with uh, light green lacquer with white hoops. Uh, And at the back, on the right-hand side, we had a 20-inch four-piece Vintage Series shell pack in the new finish, the California Blue.
0: California Blue. so cool. It's amazing. Uh, And what's even better about it um, is, according to the guys at Sonar, the first 50 people to purchase the Sonar Vintage Series in that finish get a masterclass with Benny Greb at the Sonar Drums Factory.
1: And... One of our customers is up there because he bought it. Yep, so he did. He's, I need to actually check in for that uh, and and make that happen. Yes. Um, and then in front of that, we had, I mean, hang on. I've just blown right past that. Berry Gregg Masterclass. Yeah. Like, you've got to get yourself the Germany. But outside of that,
0: it's in the soda factory for free. Yeah. And you're getting a one-to-one, well, not a one-to-one, but a masterclass, a private masterclass with one of the best drummers in the world. I
1: should trade my vintage in for a vintage. And a different finish, <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, no, so, yeah, that, that, that's that's a pretty rad prize, yeah. Um, so yeah, on the floor in front of that, we had a three-no, again, a four-piece SQ1 22,
0: 12, 16, and snare and GT black, which is yes. the one you're getting, man. Yes, I'm getting slightly different sizes, but I can't wait. Probably by the time this comes out, I'll I'll, I'll have gigged it already, hopefully.
1: Hopefully's. Hopefully. And then, snare-wise, we had um, Benny Greb signature. We had a Pro Light and Fiery Red, which is another new finish. We had a Gavin Harrison, and, Harrison, and my brain's gone blank. I'm sure we had another one.
0: No, we had the three because we well, had.
1: Sorry to interrupt. We got Aaron Spears' kit on the stand. Which had a pro 14 14x5 steel with die-cast
0: hoops.
2: Oh,
0: okay. So and we his, had... his pro light was Chocolate Burrow? That's right. That right. 10,
1: 12, 16, 22, Chocolate Burrow, which Lovely. is gorgeous. It sounds amazing. So we have that in Leeds if anybody wants it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to have the kit that Aaron Spears played at the show.
0: At the time of recording this, it's still available.
1: As is the Chris Coleman kit, which is a sq one twenty eight ten twelve fourteen sixteen, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, with a matching snare. And cruiser blue,
0: lots of drums, yep. lots of configurations. Yep.
1: So yeah, um, a roaring successful show. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I really need.
0: You definitely get like post-show <laughs> fever. You get something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a rest. I well for one yeah because I was I was at the show I was at Leeds College of Music on Friday mm-hmm. I was at and then Manchester uh-huh. on Friday night at the show on saturday in manchester and then i was in glasgow and here on sunday and i was working with big dave so apologies for anyone who came in on that day and saw just me and dave but i was um a favorite a, a great uh, scottish saying is i was i came in like a burst couch <laughs> um but i was basically i was i was more or less out yeah, <laughs> I, yeah.
1: Was, and I was I, think, I was here in body only not i think mine. big dave had probably been touring as well so uh,
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: a tired pair of
0: you. Yeah, but it's all worth it in it for a
2: great it show. Is.
1: And then off the show. back of that, the next night, the mo- you were you were off on the Monday, so you yes. got home. I was back to work. I had I worked the show on the Sunday, back to work on the Monday. The Tuesday night we had Matt Garska and oh, Clinic.
0: Oh man, he was outrageous, man. <sighs> Whoa.
1: I I'm ashamed to say I didn't know enough and was uh, mightily impressed. That yeah. boy can play them drums, man.
0: Oh, he get like what I liked about his performance anyway. For anyone that didn't catch it, was. He had a real kind of subtleness to all of his playing and then there would just be moments where he would let rip yeah, he's and got it was amazing. Yeah, he's
1: got it all. He's got touch and tone and, and chops and groove and all the yeah. stuff that people think that every drummer should have. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got it all there, man. Yeah. Um, he played some really bonkers music as well. Mm-hmm. Time signatures all over the place and metric modulations all over the place and fairly fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was up with, or he was on tour, I should say, with Minel. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, on the road for a week. I think they did most of the UK. He was also performing at the UK drum show. Yeah. It's really short straw, man. He was on at 10 a.m. on the Saturday.
0: Oh, man. I think he had quite a lot of people going to see him, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's
1: good. Because I can imagine that's a tough spot. Um, Yeah, opening the show. Yeah, people are just in, and, you know, part of me thinks that maybe the first performance should be like quarter past 10. A little bit, yeah. You know, let people get in, get a coffee, get, you know. Get ready for But the they day. haven't said that, they're probably queued for like an hour. So
0: probably yeah.
1: Um, yeah. so yeah, that was amazing. He played all three of his signature products, he played his Equilibrium Hats, China, and his stack. Mm-hmm. Plus, he played a found he swapped ride symbols actually, which I yeah. thought was really cool. He played, yeah. yeah, he played a foundry reserve and then he played a Bizan's
0: Drive. It's an extra
1: dry thin, right? Yeah, it sounded amazing, man. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, just generally played his socks off. Yeah. Really great crowd for him. Yeah, 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 sold out. Really asked awesome. loads of cool questions. Mm-hmm. He hung out. We ate burgers. We did. You
0: we know. did eat burgers. Yeah. Um, we so, did eat burgers.
1: So all in all, a really great clinic. He
0: was amazing. Like yeah. So again, it kind of is. It's another one on the chalkboard of awesome connections we've had in the shop. Yeah, man, for so, sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's been a that's like a brief catch up eh, of kind of kinda what's been happening. Yeah, yeah. What's been happening? Um,
0: um, well, while we're speaking about Matt Garska, a lot of the things. That he kind of referenced about when he was doing his clinic was things to do with the studio mm. um, and during his performance an example of which was when he switched um a couple of his symbols out for different options because certain tracks just sounded better with this mm. type of ride symbol or this type of splash symbol mm-hmm. or whatever Um so kind of on the back of that um we were going to talk things uh about the studio yeah about- we just got to talking about it today um about, like, what's great gear for recording.
1: And, you know, like, we sell things like a million pairs of Zildjian new beats a year. Mm-hmm. Um, because Some say they're the go-to studio end Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, and it just got us thinking about what gear is great for recording versus what gear would you use live. Like, Paul was actually in the studio recording... Uh, so today is Tuesday, the 1st of October. Paul was actually in the studio recording drums yesterday uh and paul's great for like just mixing gear up he's really not precious about like at all seeing being on it or whatever mm-hmm. so if you saw the instagram stories yesterday uh you may have noticed the kit he was playing was like a an sq1 he had a match incident. plus he's got his own pearl um anniversary maple shell with like single flash tips. And but he was using like a a conglomerate, if you will, of symbols. So he was using nice Zildjian's, uh, but he was using Young Liam's ride symbol, mm-hmm. which was a Sabian artisan. And then there was like this weird stack thing that the studio had put together. That just sounded amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. It was Louis Abbott who put it. Together. It was Louis yeah. Abbott shout out, shout out, um,
1: who put that together. Uh, yeah, so, like, what was what would be cool for the studio? I mean, what experience have you got using gear in the studio? And, like, did you chop and change stuff out? And
0: I feel my studio experience is quite limited compared right. to others. Um, every time I've done it, it's just more or less a situation of, what have I got? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just make it work, kind of thing. Okay. One of my very first experiences in the studio uh, was with my Originals band uh, back in college days. And we recorded at the studio that sometimes we got lectures at. Okay. So it was at the Foundry Music Lab in Motherwell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout, yeah, out. Yeah, shout out. Shout yeah. um, out. Owned by Graham Duffin of mm. Wet, Wet, Wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sandy Jones, the engineer, he's just an engineering wizard. Um, so he kind of, he was kind of, I suppose, <laughs> in his mind. Uh, or to him, I felt kind of bad for him because he was tasked with having to put all these students through their first recording process, which can't have been easy. No. Um, because not everybody is always the best player. Um, Excuse me, well I choke? Oh, it's okay, Chris. It's okay. Just. just oh, oh, Chris is now. <coughs> oh, oh, no, he's still alive. I am. Okay, okay. <clears throat> sorry, back. He, he did collapse on the floor for a little bit. I was thinking about giving him CPR, but he's fine. He's all right. <coughs> oh, no, maybe not. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I'm okay. Water went down the wrong way. Okay.
0: That's what they all say. Cyanide. Um, I'm all joking. Wait, what? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Found your lab. You Found music lab. Yeah, sorry. <coughs> um, So, yeah. So, he was kind of plagued with having to teach all these students. Like, this is what it's like being in a studio. And he was actually, you know, he was great because he he gave us all an experience of what it would be like had things progressed to an actual official kind of studio like right. it was quite like no you're not playing that part right you should be playing it like this oh, i was okay. kind of producing it a little bit yeah. um but some of the gear what did i take in for the first time i recorded i took in a set of all saving b8 symbols. oh goodness which um which are fantastic symbols. don't get me wrong um just not the best in the studio what i found not, they're probably a bit too bright they're far too bright it sounded like every time i had a crash i was also you're know, like catching it mm. so it was like pssst, yeah pssst. Um, not the best <coughs> um, I also had a my first drum kit a Tama Imperial Star mm-hmm. um, with a, I want to say it was like a pearl, pearl 13 by six and a half just steel mm-hmm. shell drum man not expensive at all but great though yeah so like,
1: especially for the studio super mm-hmm. versatile and if you can tune it well enough yeah you know yeah. Which I could not at the time. Um,
0: <laughs> Sounded like a bag of washing, but it's like fine. famously,
1: like Smashing Pumpkins' first album, Jimmy Chamberlain used a pearl export. Really? Yep. That, oh, re- no that record was recorded on a pearl export and a Yamaha steel snare. Wow, brilliant! Yep. And it sounds amazing. Uh huh. It's like it, the drum sound is great. Wow. So yeah, I mean,
0: if you've got the right tuning skills, mm-hmm. those kits
1: and stuff are easily doable. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because we get a lot of customers in here, young customers who are maybe interested in getting their first kit, but they want something that's reliable for both the studio and yeah, yeah, live. for sure. Parallel Expo's great for that yeah, kind of stuff, big time. Right heads on it, get it tuned up. Exactly. Um, I think on my my Tama kit for the first recording, I had <coughs> still had all the original heads on it, and they were all dented as well. Oh really? So uh, if anything, shout outs to Sandy for making that kit sound passable. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, some. I mean, the microphone's only going to pick up so much, eh? So you don't mm. sometimes don't really need to worry so much about it. Yeah. Um. As lo- I think, really, as long as you can tune it, I yeah. think the first experience you get is that the your drums could be they could go at you could go into the ju- the studio right and your drums sound amazing, but through the microphones they sound really different. Mm-hmm. So you've really got to spend time working with that. But I, d- I do think, you know, if it's great at source, i.e. the instrument's brilliant, yeah, then it's going to be much easier.
0: It's just going to make life so much.
2: Yeah. Easier.
1: Um. One of the first experiences I had was. Not too dissimilar back in the, when I was a younger uh, lad playing in a band. And my drum kit was like... Was it at the time? I think I had a Honor, So to put it into perspective, that's like a Pearl Roadshow or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, like a really cheap, low-end. And I go in and we set it up and it sounds like it sounds. And then the guy pulls out like a 90s recording custom. Whoa. And set that up for me. So I was like, okay. You know, like... <laughs> I didn't know what it was and I know what it is now but yeah. at the time I was just like oh it says Yamaha on it I bet that sounds great it sounded amazing of course it did yeah. it was Steve Gadd sizes it was like twenty, ten, twelve, fourteen, 12, 14 and oh, all that oh, kind of perfect. stuff so it was it really was so I got lucky in that the, the engineer and the owner of the studio had really great gear he's oh. actually still a customer he has a guy called Simon at Small Town Audio down in Ayrshire wow. I don't think he's got a room anymore but he does a lot of live work mm-hmm. um and he was really great because obviously he knew what that kit was going to sound like. It was his kit. He knew how to kind of get it sounding great.
0: Did it have a snare drum,
1: was it? Uh, no, but I had a Yamaha 14 six and a half steel shell. Oh, perfect. Um, you know, like a stage custom 8 log thing. So, mm. <clears throat> again, you tune that right. Tune it a little bit higher and it's going to. You, you can't lose, mm-hmm. really, with the right heads and the right tuning. So that kind of worked out. Mm. Um but I did learn a value in good symbols because I had a PST three oh two ride which was really bottom end. Mm-hmm. I guess that's like a PST three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just gonna sound bright and and kinda high pitched and for me I think darker stuff works so much better. So much it's, easier. To it's work like symbol wise anyway, you know, mm-hmm. my experience. I've I've recorded in different bands with a variety of different symbols. And any time I use darker symbols, they just work. Yeah, uh, way quicker, you know, because they don't bleed the same way into the microphones. So, if you hit like an A custom crash versus a K mm-hmm. or a K custom, the A is going to be so much brighter in the in the mix mm-hmm. and so much louder. But the 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 kind of darker stuff will tend to tend to just balance more. Yeah, you know, for me, um, I have done cool stuff like. I've experimented with different bass drums and toms mm-hmm. so I, I did a record with a band I was in a two or three years ago maybe longer in Chamber Studios in Edinburgh mm-hmm. and Graham and Chamber has got two really lovely kits he's got a 70s stop sign badge Gretch oh wow yeah so I think that was 24 12 or 13 can't quite remember And a 16 inch floor tom uh And we put that up, and we did a take, and it was like, the toms are magic, but the bass drum just was missing something. So he then pulled out a Pearl BLX, Birch Mm. bass drum, so we we did, like, Pearl bass drum, Gretsch toms, and I think I used a Yamaha 13-6.5 brass, like yours.
0: Yeah.
1: And it just was great, great drum sound. Like, that Pearl bass drum was just killing Mm-hmm. really really magic and the yamaha snare it was a rock record so the yamaha snare was perfect just you know spot on yep. yep didn't really have to do much to it at all meat and
0: potatoes man yeah
1: man so it was really cool though to just try different stuff uh-huh. you know try different bass drums out um i
0: guess that's the freedom you have in the studio versus live because live obviously like purely for image purposes I suppose it all has to kind of look at least like yeah. it's matching, especially if you're in the point where you're in a band who've got a record deal, you've yeah, got endorsement, a production or something, yeah, it's yeah. got the part. it you know. needs to look and kind of, like, have a certain image about it, you know, and, like, to keep brands happy and all yeah, that of kind course. of thing. Yeah. Whereas in the studio, you've kind of, like, there's no eyes on... No, you can't, you can't if, I mean, if the if music, certainly you know. if you've got the time. Ah, yeah, totally. You know,
1: I, I totally get, like, you know, if you've got a 300 quid budget in six hours, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's a very, very different thing. Um... So yeah, I totally, I totally get all that. I'm trying to think. We did a second album with that band, um, and I'm trying to think what I used on that. I can't remember what kit I used. If it was the same, pe- I think it was the same Pearl kit. I really struggle to remember, but I did have like different symbols that day. I had my Istanbul rig, so I used like an Istanbul. I got uh, medium hats. Um, I used. Um, a traditional 17 inch crash, dark crash, and also use some Sabians as well. Oh, cool! So that was you know different flavors in the studio. And we also had my Yamaha brass again, but we also tried out a vintage like a 60s 402. Mm -hmm. But what was really weird is it just didn't work.
0: Oh, wow, that's it, just yeah,
1: it was because you know those are those are the drums, right? I like the studio drum, yeah, but. It just didn't suit the sound,
2: man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we, you know, we used our ears a wee bit and we we listened back to some stuff. We're like, nah, man, just use that Yamaha. Just, it suits the sound of the music mm-hmm. way more. Yeah. Um, it was way more coherent. Because
0: yeah. um, the brass has got to be darker, right? Uh,
1: yes, and it wasn't as dry as the aluminium, uh-huh. you know. Um And I just think the brass had more power as well Yeah, of course So, you know, you can look at it You know, you start to get really nerdy in the studio And you're looking at waveforms And you're Mm -hmm. looking at, you know, consistency and all that And Mm -hmm. the the Ludwig, whilst it was beautiful Just was not the vibe Yeah You know, so we changed that out Um, I've also used a snare drum on a record And totally regretted it
0: Oh, see, what one?
1: Uh, So when I came out of college I had my own kind of jazz rock thing And I did an album and I used a Yamaha fourteen by five copper drum, mm-hmm. and I really wish I hadn't. Why come? Because why why was, come? Why come? How come? Um, it was too dry. Really? When I when I listened back to it, it's like ah man, that's just that sound is just too dry.
0: What head did you have on? Do you remember?
1: It was an Ambassador, but it was like the the wires were really dry, and it just didn't. I hadn't maybe hadn't tuned it right. I was on a time limit. We did eight tracks in eight hours. Whoa, and that was that was including multiple takes. Oh my god, yeah, it was really hard. That I would never ever ever do that again. Um,
0: it's just like unwanted stress, isn't it?
1: It is, like... but I was on a budget, and we with the band I had worked out how much I was going to pay them, and so I could, like, look, I've got this amount of money, mm-hmm. uh, can you do it? And they were like, yeah, we can do it. Thankfully, we had gigged the music bar two tracks, mm-hmm. so it was only really just the guys weren't happy with the solos they played, and we would redo takes because you can't. No, none of it was clicked, and it was all really complicated music and mm-hmm. time signature changes and that kind of thing. So we didn't have the luxury of copy and paste, um, which a lot of studios do now if you're on a click. What did you use to record it? Drums. Yeah, like, um, my recording what, what? customer I had a recording custom at the time. Yeah, oh, I no,
0: no, no. I mean, like, what uh, program did you? Use? Oh, Pro
1: Tools. But none of it was
0: clicked. Oh, so you just opted not to click it yes or? it was all live takes right okay
1: uh, yeah you, it was too i would gonna i would have had to have spent weeks tempo mapping it right when there was tempo changes and that kind of yeah. thing and with solos you don't necessarily know how long the player's going to play for mm-hmm. so you know if you want to shoehorn them in a bit and say you've only got 64 bars to solo mm-hmm. or do you let them just go you know what i mean yeah so i chose to let them just do their thing mm-hmm um, the drums wise are recorded on a Yamaha recording customer, I had a Yamaha recording custom at the time, so 20, 10, a 14, with a 14 by 5.5 copper snare, and it was all Sabian cymbals, artisan hats, 20 inch artisan ride, 19 inch extreme crash, um, and 19, sorry, an 18 inch AX studio crash, which I still maintain is one of the nicest cymbals ever made, I still got it, it's great, mm-hmm. really warm really thin, opens up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Just a really great symbol. Yeah. And then an ozone as well. Nice, just for a little bit of trash. Yeah, but what was really cool about it was the guy who engineered it didn't make the hi-hats.
0: He didn't make it? No. I've been in that situation before as well. Like, they go over just using the... Um, Overheads, yeah. yeah. The problem
1: we had in the end was trying to mix it. Because mm-hmm. there was points where the hats were like, ah, they're a wee bit louder than I would like them to be. Mm-hmm. But... That's what yeah. really happens when you don't make the hi hats, you know. But yeah. I thought it was really intriguing, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, and we recorded it all live in one room as well, so the band were all in one room. So there was saxophone, electric bass, electric guitar, and drums. The amps were in a separate room, um, uh, but you could hear the saxophone and the and the drum mics as well. So that mm-hmm. was another reason we couldn't copy paste. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there was lots of bleed in that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. Um, but the drums, I mean, the recording custom kits sounded amazing.
0: Oh, of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. Have you still got it?
1: Uh, no, I sold that ages ago. Oh, I have a recording custom. I don't have that recording custom. Right. Okay. Um, and it's uh, yeah, uh, amazing sound of drums. You know, uh, yeah. just just tone, I'm so warm and and just that tone, man. You know, there's not too much sustain, so they just record tremendously well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So hey. yeah. <laughs> so it's not just a clever name. No,
1: it's really not. Um. So yeah, that was a that was you know an interesting session. Um. To sort. Of kind of pick and choose different stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I've subsequently done other things for other people. I've done the whole Ringo bit where I've put towels on the snare drum and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like, uh, I think I put a towel on half of a snare drum mm-hmm. and that kind of thing to get different sounds for people, which was I mm-hmm. find really cool, you know. I think I just love the
0: fact that the world is so open in that environment, you know, yeah. if you've got the time. If you've got the time, you can just do it. One of the coolest recording experiences I've ever had um was at gorbalsound mm. Um i got to, i was very very lucky and got to record at Gorble Sound with the same band fun enough like maybe about two years down the line right we got involved with some uh kind of charity project i think and they wanted to record a song but it had to be recorded there because they were filming it um or filming excerpts from the day right. so we were just like just like lucky lucky number one like band yeah you're, yeah. you're the you're in and i was like man so i'd all i'd really known at that point was the kind of college experience which Mm -hmm. by then we'd done a couple of recordings and kind of like got the gist of it obviously we all improved musically all of our gear kind of got a little bit better as well by that point i had i think i still had my kit, but i had like a peril chad smith snare drum, which i still have and still maintain that that is a (laughs) fantastic snare drum yeah it's brilliant um, did and it record well. It did. That was do you know, of all the gear I took, that was the one thing that stayed on the kit. Really? Yeah. Wow, there you go. Symbols changed, the kit changed. Did you
1: use the house kit? Because
0: they've got a renown and a master's as well. They've got right? a, or a reference. Well they've got a peril reference. Right. And um, not a reference pure. In fact, no, it was a reference pure actually. Forgive me, it so was thinner shells. Thinner yeah. shells. Um and it's the first time I'd ever played a peril reference kit and I was like, Wow. Yeah. This is some amount of drums. It was amazing. Um, the symbols used um i had a full set of ax mm. um mm-hmm. so i had the uh accelerator hi hats mm-hmm. i had the two explosion crashes mm-hmm. and i had the uh, stage ride, mm-hmm. i want to say mm-hmm. um which are, are all great they were amazing live cymbals uh, i do agree with what you say as well about the um darker the, symbols the darker symbols yeah. um i still have my 18 inch uh, explosion crash uh-huh. i think it's a fantastic crash it's yeah. Um, but we changed out all the cymbals. The only thing that remained the same was the snare because right. it just, for some reason, I just hit it and the guy was like, cool, that's perfect. No. One thing I did encounter, though, when I brought my bass drum pedal in was we were going to do a, a take right? and the engineer was just like, man, like just, something's just not working with that bass drum. And I was thinking it's a bass drum and he's like, man, there's a, a, a horrendous squeak coming from the oh, bass drum. Oh, no. Did so you get a bass drum squeak? Yeah, I got bass drum squeak. So um, it came in <laughs> and me just being totally green to the whole thing, I was like, I thought it was me, and I was like, oh, I can, I can, I, I can try and change how I play it. He's like, man, it's not you. Don't worry, it's the pedal. Like, yeah. and it's like, I just need some WD forty. <laughs> and was I was it like, your pedal? It was my pedal. Right, okay. It was like a single chain Tama. Like, okay. yeah, I, just, yeah. I still got it from my first kit. And I was like, oh man, oh, I don't yeah. have any. I don't have any. He's like, man, we're a studio. We've got like, like, yeah, yeah. a full cupboard of that stuff. Yeah, like, and I didn't even know what it Do was. What's really weird about that, man? Like,
1: if you listen to some older Zeppelin stuff, the pedal squeaks like half the charm really yeah like you can there's you know you go online and find it i can't remember what songs it is i think it's like black dog or something and you can hear his pedal squeak that's cool and so many people are like ah oh, because it's a wee bit more real yeah um, i guess so you know we
0: we were a, like a proper like bubblegum kind of pop band, right so they were like man we don't like if Super we're gonna cleaning, do this, yeah, this yeah, we need this cleaning yeah. clean eyes bro um and that's also the first time i played some minor cymbals as well oh cool what did you use i had a pair of 14 inch sand hats and i had a 20 inch sand ride, right? Which, when I took them out and hit them on their own, I was like, Man, these sound like interesting. Yeah, yeah like, I yeah. wasn't going to say bad because they don't sound bad, everything kind of doesn't sound right in- without context. Yeah, totally. It. But in that song, it just worked. The yeah, hi hats yeah. were perfect. Yeah. Like, you know, that way I was playing them, and I just wasn't because they weren't what I was used to. I was so used to bright symbols. Yeah, yeah. Those accelerator hats are just straight up pop punk. Like, yeah, right. That whole kind of bright sound. Yeah. Um. so, when I switched to something, I guess, more kind of untraditional shall we say um it was just like what are these but when i went into the room after i took a take i'd done a take i uh, took a take turn a take take a take a take a chance full of a took have <laughs> you changed your mind um when i went in and listened back to what i'd played i was like man that like the cymbals sound great yeah like, it's sound great i can't even, i can't remember what the crashes were um but i just know that just the whole the the, the the drums themselves just the probably the, one of the amazing best well, sound yeah heard. Gordon
1: like... who works here still maintains that the reference is the the best live sounding kit he's ever worked with really, yeah. yeah he does a lot of sound engineering and, and live engineering and really loves it you know he's, he's he reckons for live it's just yeah it's,
0: they're, they're hard to beat is there like a perfect kind of wood for recording
1: what a question I think
0: when we
1: we, we may or may not have a really uh, really really What's the word I want? Celebrated sound engineer guest coming on, so maybe we'll save that for him. Maybe actually, yeah, that's a good um, thing call. I, I mean, personally, I've recorded. I mean, I've record. I've now recorded my Sonar kit as well. The vintage. Yeah, right? the vintage series. I don't know if there is. Uh, I think, like you talked about, it's all about context. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on the song that you're recording at the time. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, we listen to all these iconic records that had, like, way more limited gear mm-hmm. than we do now. Yeah. Um, they say Birch is the best because it's pre-EQ'd. The tone of it, that's supposed to be the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't really need to do that much with it in the studio. Yeah. But again, it's context, it's heads, it's tuning, it's the song, it's the size of the bass drum. The player yeah, as yeah, well. Play- you? It's so much of it. The stick, yeah. the brush, you know. Yeah. So I don't know that there's a perfect... Um, Material. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never recorded acrylic. I've no, I've hardly no. played acrylic. I know some people that, that have like uh, mm-hmm. Jamie McGrory a friend of ours. He's he's sure he's got a Yamaha FRP snare, which is an acrylic snare, and he thinks they sound great recorded.
0: He's got a Vistalite as well.
1: Uh, he does have a Vistalite. You're right. Um, so, but I don't know how he how he's got it if he's recorded it or not. Mm-hmm. I do know that years ago we had a customer who had a uh, an acrylic kit. And they came in because they were having a problem with the floor tom recording. They couldn't get... There was, like, a high-end squeak whistle thing that they couldn't get out. So we had a hydraulic on the top and an EC2 on the bottom Whoa. in the end to just get rid of this tone. Wow. So it, it killed, like, all the tone of the drum because I think the shell was just thick and super bright. Mm-hmm. So he was having a bit of trouble with that. Um, but that's not to say, I mean, re- again, context, acrylic, pop punk, could work really well. But totally, yeah, you know. totally. Um So yeah, I don't know, I don't really know the answer to that question But we'll maybe save it, you know, we'll Mm -hmm.
0: maybe save it Um, How was your first experience playing along to a click track? Hellish Aye Really
1: hellish (laughs) Um, Because I I hadn't done enough practice The biggest lesson I learned was take the accent off beat one
0: take the accent off beat one yeah i've never heard this advice yeah so what is this sorcery
1: take the accent off because then if it goes pear-shaped there isn't an accent reminding you you're you're not on beat one so you could be on the click Uh uh-huh but it could be you could have played a bar of five and it won't matter yeah because then i can get chopped in and fixed and it's fine so oh, learning that okay. lesson was amazingly valuable. Yeah. The minute I did that, it was much, much, much easier. Yeah, just change because the game you can a move bit. and play in and out of the click, and it can it can ebb and flow, and all that stuff that people talk about. But if you've got like beep, 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 beep the minute you hear that, it's like I'm uh, you freak out. I'm in a different bar. It's like if it shifts to beat two because you've turned the beat round, mm-hmm. you start to panic, and then you stop a take. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then that's more time. Yep. You know. So take the accent off, and I guarantee it'll make your click life much easier. Yeah. The other thing I learned as well is if someone who's not you makes a mistake, keep playing Yeah. and get a drum take. Mm-hmm. Like I learned that the hard way. It was like, oh, the, this, I was in a, a band, Hercules Band, and I used to play, and we were doing a, 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 an EP, and um, the bass player made a mistake, and I stopped. And the guy's were like, no, 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 man, just you keep playing. Mm-hmm. And we'll just punch in I was like Oh there's my greenness I had no idea That,
0: that was Of course thing. And how would you know that? Totally I didn't know that yeah. either Like when I was first recorded.
1: Yeah so You know If you know the song Inside out mm-hmm. You know And um, can do it Then get it done Yeah. One of the hardest things I, I learned in the studio Was uh, recording Without any vocal guides That was that's, so hard that's man That's a roast man Yeah, yeah. Like, like you got we, So I hadn't realised that that was going to be a thing. Yeah, I was like, looking at my singer, like, why are you not singing, bro? He's like, because I don't need to. It's like, I'll save my voice for when I'm... I was like, oh, okay, great. I have to really think about this. Yeah. Um, My jazz degree helped. Playing jazz music helped because there's no voice usually. You mm-hmm. know, so keeping a form all when of a sudden... In your head. Yeah, it became, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got by, but yeah,
0: I had to practice that as well. Yeah. And, one uh, One of the struggles I still have to this day, actually, we were just talking about it not too long ago, is not flamming yeah that like which when you're in a live context it's live music you don't notice it as much but as soon as you're just kind of isolated out and soloed out man i never noticed how much my my right hand and my left hand flam yep. whenever i try and play them both at the same time mm-hmm. um and with my left hand and my right foot yep i never noticed this it's still something that plagues me a little bit to this day but like man when i listen back yep. to old recordings totally some amount of quantizing must have happened to, yep. like yeah, we've all
1: been there, man. Um, you know, you go back in and they're like, yeah, I'm just gridding you. Like, oh, thanks. Oh, cheers, bro. Uh, can I not go and try again? We don't have time. Okay. Okay. Cool, and then bro. things like, don't hit the crashes when you think you should hit the crashes. Yeah. Like, I've, I've I've had masters come back and, like, I just hit the crashes way too often. Yeah. That's just, that just is pointless. It works live in the studio, it sucks.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're like, man. I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Like, trying to get the whole <laughs> isn't it a bit kind of weird? You're trying to capture a live performance, but you can't necessarily play it how you would play it live. Totally, it's totally. so backwards. Because
1: you just, it just, I just ruined songs, man. To me, I was like, see if I had like, I'd taken about eighty-five percent of those crashes out. That would be a much better song. Ah, uh-huh. I'm just hitting them because I'm used to hitting them, or because I think I should hit them, and then not really paying enough attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Weird. The thing that Sandy, the engineer, really drilled into me was. I was filling every four bars. Yeah. So I would throw some form of fill or I'd crash or I'd like try and throw in a a chop that I was absolutely not ready for. And it would just be like, man, what are you doing?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to play the song. He's like, man, but you're not, you're you're like, bear in mind that you're one instrument. There's like four other instruments that need to go on top of you. Mm -hmm. Like you need to just keep that solid. Yeah. Meat and potatoes the full way. Yeah and it's really hard man, man it's like, really hard I was speaking to Alan Dale actually the, our, our mm-hmm. shop pal Alan Dale and he's like man if you really want to test how how your your patience and I guess your discipline put on a click track at 120 mm-hmm. and just play four on the floor he used to do this minutes. with me right
1: he would do that very thing in a lesson mm-hmm. and if I open my hi-hat stand like he would stop yep back if I played do get the not stop yep back and I was like Jesus this is hard mm-hmm. and he, would, he just drilled it into me for ages and ages I still have a problem with it though oh of course still yeah. have a problem
0: with it it's really weird it's a real test of yeah. how disciplined you are yeah but it needs to be like that in the studio mm-hmm. I mean see if an engineer really wanted to you could just play one bar yep and they could just I wonder how it. many
1: sessions have been done like that
0: I wonder yeah you that's know. that's an interesting one there. yeah um, perhaps um, we'll find
1: out perhaps um
0: <laughs> I've
1: listened to, like, guys like Josh Freese talk about this because he's obviously Session Wonder Kid. He's, <laughs> he's um, Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> and he was like, he'll just, he'll bring gear but he'll walk in and if the kit's all right, he'll like, cool, I'll just use this. Mm-hmm. Like, I might change out a snare drum, I may put up, like, a ride that I think will work. But, you know, in the main, if it's all right, Mm-hmm. I'll just use the house kit It works yeah. You know Dave DeSenzo, this really great uh, Boston bass drummer Teaches at Berkeley, Spoke about that as well Like He uh, Turned up to do A session And he was like There was a 75 Sonar kit there With the OG heads Whoa Sounded amazing mm-hmm. Played that Like Man we get so hung up about it But then I, It's also cool To have your stuff Yeah Because I think it makes people play Better Because they're comfortable
0: Mm-hmm. You know like this is why I, i'm even more flabbergasted by uh, clinicians who come over and they're constantly playing higher gear and still sound incredible yeah because for me even if it was just a snare drum it's like a comfort yeah. like even if the toms are different symbols are different stands are different whatever yeah. pedals different like in fact maybe not the pedal if i had my own pedal and snare i would be like okay let's let's at least try this yeah let's give this a go it must be so hard man turning up like I remember seeing in fact just when we were talking about UK drum show like watching Chris Coleman like set up his bass drum pedals and mm-hmm. then go out there and absolutely blow it out of the water mm-hmm. like just wow like phenomenal if I was me, man, yeah. I would be freaking out. Well, as like... Mike
1: Johnson spoke about, it's one of the reasons he plays the DW five thousand because he knows wherever he goes, it's gonna be the same pedal. Out of yeah. the box, it's gonna be exactly the same. He doesn't he doesn't use the nine because he he just doesn't want to get so dialed in on a setting that he mm-hmm. can't find that setting when he's on a tour. Yeah. On a clinic tour or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So he just uses the five thousand and uses the out of the box settings. Huh, okay. Yeah. Little tricks, you know.
0: That's why I use the nine thousand with the out of the box settings, even if it's uncomfortable, still gonna do it. So yeah,
1: it's it's kind of the studio's a, a weird and wonderful
0: thing. It's it's amazing actually. Like I think there's no kind of better feeling when you're sitting if like and you're in the studio either by yourself if you're doing a drum take for someone or if you're in with a band and you listen back to a take that you've listened, you've recorded and you're Mm -hmm. proud of it as well. You're Mm -hmm. like, man, that was just like, sounded great. And the real test for that is when you listen to it like six months after and you're still happy with it, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think
1: if, um, I try really hard not to listen to anything I've ever recorded. Yeah.
0: um, Because I just don't. But if it, you know... I suppose I, I understand that because you'll never see it from a perspective where you've never listened to it before.
1: Yeah, totally, and if, uh, especially if it's music that I've written.
0: Yeah. Oh um, yeah, because you're, you're you're far too
1: close to it. It's yeah, like, it's too, your baby. It totally yeah, yeah, like... way too biased about it and all that. Um, I take if I'm going to do that, I take sort of more pleasure in listening to the musicians who've played on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had guys play some really amazing things. I've had you know great vocal takes, and I'm like, wow, that's just killing. You know. Yeah. Totally. Um, the other thing that we've not spoke about about all of this stuff is. The guy behind the desk being amazing, because I had oh, yeah. um, I used to have a snare drum. It was a Yamaha. F- I was a Yamaha nut, trips before, you know. You <laughs> can you tell? You. Um, I had a Yamaha fourteen by five and a half bamboo snare. And I was, this was a what? snare that I had seen like uh, in adverts In you know, old magazines or drum collections. You know, and I'm like, what is that? And I came across one on eBay, and it cost me like two hundred and fifty quid or something. I got it for an absolute song. And I got it delivered. I took it out of the box. I had it. I was like, I hate it.
0: Oh, no. I hate it. Why, I, what did you
1: not like about it? Just the sound of it. It was just like, I don't, I, I can't it really. Like? Uh, it was really. Remember. Well, I'll get to that, right? Oh, okay, I'll get to okay, that. Okay. Um, so then I subsequently like, okay, I've just spent a lot of money on this. So let's be rational. I had a, a control sound head on it. Changed the head. Changed the wires. Brilliant. Really like it now. Put an ambassador on it. I put 42 strand wires on it totally unique great took it at the studio and the guy just made it sound like a totally different drum it's and it sounded awesome so this is really weirdly arrogant but the 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 drum intro to the podcast mm-hmm. of our podcast is mm-hmm. me Oh, okay. So I, it was a, an album. It was off an album that I'd recorded. I wanted something drummy. And that song, that's how that song starts. It starts with the drum beat. Uh-huh. And it's that snare.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. So it's
1: that snare that uh, you, you... So if you listen to this podcast and you hear that groove, it's that snare drum. And I tell you, man, it did not sound like that live. Wow. And I eventually sold it because it was really, really thin. Uh-huh. I just thought this. it was like really one-dimensional. And, and in the end, it could only really get cranked mid to high it didn't have a low tuning it didn't sound great low mm-hmm. but this dude just made it sound I don't know what he did he spent some time EQing it and, and mm-hmm. messing around with it
0: and man those guys are really worth their weight in gold absolutely it's the same with a live engineer as well you can yes. tell when a band's not got a great live engineer yeah. because just everything Oh, I suppose it's probably easier to spot if they don't have a great live engineer because everything's just kind of all over the place same yeah. with a recording yeah Um. But man, just what a difference. Just yeah. like and, someone know, he, who knows what they're doing.
1: Yeah, and knows, knows that if you're in a studio, they know the room you're recording in because that has a major impact on how it totally, sounds. Yeah. Um, you should check out, I should, I'll link this. You should check out, there's a guy called Alex Reeves. Uh, he's a session player in London. He did the last, I'm sure he did the last Elbow record. He certainly went on tour. He, like he played on the live stuff with Elbow. He's a sonar guy, he plays a vintage series. Mm-hmm. He did an article and a video series for Sound on Sound magazine called Drums in a Room. Mm-hmm. Where he would play, he took the same, like, preamps, the same mics, the same songs, the same drum kit, same cymbals, and recorded it in, like, six different rooms. Mm-hmm. And the difference in the drum sound is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So he recorded it from, like, he went to, like, rack studios in London or yeah. air studios to, like, little bedroom sessions to, like, an office thing. And it's unbelievable, the difference in the drum sound. Yeah. Um was, so,
0: there, was there a, a, a best one? Like... uh
1: I would need to re-listen to it. I've not listened to it in uh-huh. ages. Um, but the whole thing was to just prove to people how much the room makes a difference. Yeah. So when you've got a guy who knows the room
2: mm-hmm.
1: because he knows the studio well mm-hmm. and knows the drums, that can... that Your drums sound... It doesn't matter what you do. They just sound amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I was really fortunate that that guy um, just took the time to just make that drum sound better. Mm-hmm. You know? And it wasn't until, like... I'd heard, like, a kind of before and after, like, whoa, dude, that's... You're some sort of wizard. <laughs> you know, like, just knows the... He knew Logic inside out, or was it Pro Tools? I can't remember. I think it was Logic 9 he used. Mm-hmm. He knew that program inside out. He knew the plugins inside out. He knew the room. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know the drum. Uh-huh. And just got That it. was the only variable? Yep. Yeah. And, more well, me. Well, at the that, players well, that at, as well, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, just killed
0: it. It's absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. You know?
1: so, yeah, I think... Have uh, Even after all that chat about what's the right gear to use, mm. you're in the hands of someone else, aren't you?
0: Totally. And I've also heard it the opposite way as well, where it's like, went horribly wrong. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah, man. Look, one of my friends in college, actually, wasn't at the same studio, it was a different studio, that has since now closed down in Glasgow. I think it's now a cat cafe, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, do you know where I am? I like that so. kind of area of Glasgow. Um and, like, the guy was just, like, yeah, like, metal band. And they were, like, yeah, man, like, I've just, like, we've just finished recording, like, an eight-track EP. Like, do you want to mm-hmm. hear it? And I was, like, yeah, sure, man, why not? Like, because, you know, like, what? because why not? And, like, just everything was just so, oh, no. like, I, d- I don't know how, but, like, the snare drum just sounded fuzzy. Like, oh, you know what way as if, like, you know how sometimes if you've got, like, a dodgy cable uh-huh. and it goes... <coughs> oh no! It sounded like that, but every time I hit the snare drum, Oh. and it also like sounded like yeah, like and it sounded as if you had like some sort of like um like a bass like big muff going through the snare drum, and the drums just uh, just the whole thing sounded horrible. Was that the sound they were going for? No, oh, no. no. But he was like, man, can you hear that drum sound really crystal clear? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so it does. Uh, did you record that? What did you use to record it? He's like, Oh, I just said, I just, you know, like the engineer just taped everything, just put tape over everything. Oh, and okay. And I'm like, Okay, so I can, in, in my head, I was like, Okay, that's super, super dry, of course. Yeah. You need like a dry sound, of course. And he was like, Yeah, and then you just put loads of effects on the drums. He just kept telling me, add effects to the drums, and he just sounded oh, great. Oh, okay. And I was like, Okay, I see I I see where this has yeah. gone wrong. And I'm like, Man, like, a competent engineer in my mind, anyway, would know or have the foresight to be like, guys, being honest with you, this is not going to sound great. Yeah, yeah. But,
1: again... I have had an engineer have to redo a click track because the guide track was out of time. Oh, no. It was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had been asked to do something for a guy, I know, and he sent me all the tracks, and then I, you know, learned them, but I had to learn to ignore the click
0: oh that's hard man and
1: play with the guitar but then I had to play with the click because the guitars were only guides and they were going to get redone
0: oh man
1: yeah that's it, was, it was really strange <laughs> it was really hard and I did not envy the guy that had to like the, the engineer it was the same engineer that did the snare drum thing that I was yeah. talking about same mm. guy because I think he's great it's a guy called Spad Barry Reed. he plays for the Treacherous Orchestra oh cool um, so he's a very very talented man
0: mm-hmm. shout out um one of the weirdest recorded experiences. Not weird, but it's... It's an experience I had at Chem19, actually. Right. Um, it was Jamie Savage who recorded the band at the time. Same band again. Um, and, like, the song we were recording, he got me to play the song, but I had no symbols on the kit. It was just the drums. Dude, I was just going to get to that. Oh, no, wait, That's wait. That's cool, yeah. Oh. So, like, I had to... But he was like, play it as if the symbols are there. And I was like, okay. So done a take done a f- couple of takes just drums literally just hitting drums Yeah. he's like cool man now we're going to do the opposite so you're just going to hit symbols, but play it play the song uh-huh. and I was like okay I've never experienced this before did it work? I did yeah the, the, the drum sounded incredible yeah. because obviously everything's all sold out yeah. like there was like you weren't getting the bleed that you would get in a snare microphone mm. from the hi-hats mm-hmm. because the hi-hats weren't there
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I was like man like yeah, yeah, blew my mind, and like the drums. Honestly, he was like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna put the two takes together now," and like obviously after a few EQ things, it was like, "Whoa, yeah, that kit sounds ridiculous." Yeah, it's pretty tragic, And I used the Gretsch. Uh, it was a Gretsch Catalina Maple, which I still have. Right, big twenty-two inch bass drum, man, and it just sounded like a cannon. Yeah, I'll just thunderous. It have you ever
1: done any recording with electronic drums? And right into a computer?
0: No, I've never done it. It's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. life easier.
1: Yeah, Superior Drummer, a DTX. And that's it? Yeah. Wow. I <laughs> I was messing around one day. I had a KT-10, a snare pad, and I had an s p. d. s. x plugged into a computer.
2: Whoa. Yep. Did All a right, de- David get no Did worries. a demo.
1: Aye? Yep. Wow. Easy. How did it sound? Like I mean, it was a Superior Drummer thing, so the plug-in sounded
0: amazing. Yeah. So did yeah. it feel uh, did it feel real though like did it sound like a real uh, yeah because yeah, it's like real recorded drums yeah. so,
1: ah, I know. so yeah. the samples yeah yeah it sounded yeah. fine because
0: yeah. I've heard like people who have recorded before it, it does sound still a bit glitchy yeah yeah Um, that's cool though have you still got it
1: uh, I think so in that either Superior Drummer 2 or what's the other one I can't remember the name of the programme gets used a lot in Nashville does it really well so like you probably don't even know that it's been electronic drums that have recorded the record. Wow! And I know a lot of people now are using like sample replacements for snares and stuff, uh-huh. or augmentation of your of a snare with a sample. Yeah. Um there's a website called That's I want that sound. Really great. Oh yeah. Really great sample library. Um. Is that Paul Mayberry? Yes, that's yeah. him. Yeah. Um. so he does like a whole load of free samples that you can download and you can buy you can check out what libraries there are and there's some really great sort of really interesting percussion
0: sounds and that kind of thing did you see the the recording he did in an aircraft hangar? no man he just like set up some drums in an aircraft hangar Amazing. and put some like I think he put two overheads and just the drum sound was incredible. I'll bet. Like, the most reverbed drum sound you could ever yeah, hear. It was brilliant. Proper natural reverb. Uh-huh. I'll make sure. In fact, if if I can find it, I'll let Chris put it in the show notes. Cool. Below. Um, yeah. So, and I mean, one
1: of the things, one of the really cool things you get with all that stuff, if you're into it, is that you get like a variety of different sounding samples that might just suit more than the gear you have. Yeah. And I know that's kind of maybe counterintuitive for a drum shop to say, but. It, de- it really depends
0: on what you're trying to get done with the recording,
1: you know? Yeah, you can augment it, really great gear.
0: And it also goes back to what you are saying about the time and, you know... Yeah, like totally. If you've got time and you've got the equipment, if you've got five snare drums that are all different materials and you've got the time to chop and change them and find which one works best, then that's great, but not everyone has the budget or the time No, not or the equipment yeah, to do that.
1: You know? But, I mean, even the, the drummer programme on Logic itself is really great now. Yeah, it's great, yeah. So they, they do, like you know, the the samples that are there the way they, they've they got... I think they've got, like... They call it producer kits. I think there's about 12 different kit sounds. And uh-huh. you can tune them and tweak them and it's like, all of a sudden, you're going to get really pro drum sound for your demo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... it's come, Like Craig talked about, actually, how Twin Atlantic right now, mm-hmm. those drum samples have come a long, long way uh-huh. to help him produce a really great demo before he goes in and even records the drums. Yeah. You know, it's pretty rad. Have you ever had to... I know you touched on it briefly, but like really drastically change a part.
0: Yes, I have. And funnily enough, this is probably one of the only instances where we've we've changed the part for recording purposes. Uh-huh. But then we changed it back for oh, really? it live. Oh, really? Yeah, it, cool, it was okay. a bit kinda of bizarre. Um so we were playing, it was in actually it was Gorble Sound again, so we were For recording. those sorry,
1: for those of you who don't know, Gorble Sound's a really top end studio just round the corner from our shop. Yeah. It's a great like fratelli's record there and church's
0: recording the yeah. there um you know a whole bunch of people so yeah. anyway um so yeah so we recorded there and um there was like a middle eight section before the kind of last chorus that we changed up and i just played a slightly different groove mm-hmm. and um it worked great in the recording but like being honest it was very uncomfortable for me to play right so the band then switched that because we had that almost like a live element anyway because we only ever played the song live we hadn't demoed it, we hadn't recorded it this mm-hmm. was just us going in to do all that process at the one time Um, so then we had it a certain way in the recording but then live we just changed it up and used it as like a, a crowd participation moment oh okay cool Um, yeah and I, so,
1: sorry to interrupt so you know in like, that recording session and you changed out all your gear
0: changed out all the gear apart from the snare
1: did it make you play differently?
0: a little bit actually yeah. so what did it change it changed my approach firstly I sat for some reason I sat a lot lower than what I usually do right like I had like my knees were like up to my chest and <laughs> I'm not a tall guy but like um I, yeah it was just it was, it was weird because again it goes back to that whole I had my snare drum and I had my pedal so I was comfortable mm-hmm. in that respect but I was also in an environment that I was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. in and it's like you know what it's like in the studio mm-hmm. all eyes are on you or, like, in a room, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know that, like, everything, every nuance of your playing is going to get picked up by these microphones. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, a little bit scary in that kind of way. So I guess my playing changed because I was like, oh, I'm in a a, a really, like, amazing studio. I want to show these guys that I can play. Yeah. You know, and it's quite funny, actually. It kind of almost goes counterproductive because you try and do stuff that you just can't do. Yeah, yeah, totally. In front of guys that you really don't want to see, that really don't want seeing that you can't do this, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Know, and, yeah. you know, and you know.
1: I remember being at college and we got a studio recording class and we would record something and then we would go into the control room and the lecturer blew up the waveforms between me and the bass player to just show how far apart we were. Oh, no. Yeah, that was pretty savage stuff. Oh, man. man. So you got to learn, you got to go away and just play together for ages so that yeah. it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, which I find really fascinating, you know, because that takes like years of doing. Mm-hmm. So you see how those studio guys get paid tons of money because
2: mm-hmm.
0: they're amazing. Do you know? I've just remembered this one experience I had there. I was in helping out my friend in the same st- the foundry actually, um, in a recording studio in Motherwell, as I've mentioned before. <laughs> um, and I was helping out my friend, and he he had a kit, but it was like like your session pro, right. like basically just one up from like the the PV bassamp amp <laughs> uh, drum kit. Um, but he had all the original heads on it. He had. I, like, kind of, like, really, really, really low-budget steel shell drum. Uh The bass drum was quite shallow. I think it was, like, by 16, but it was a 22. 12, 13, 16. Uh um, And just, I don't know what he did. And I, I know this because the engineer showed me that he hadn't augmented anything. But when I came through to the control room, just the sound that came off that kit was unbelievable really it was one of the oh. best drum sounds i've ever heard huh? purely because the boy knew exactly where he hit it he wow. knew exactly where to strike the drum to get the best sound out of it because he just he just like he was obsessed with playing and um, right. he just played drums every day and that was his kit and so when the engineers it still had the original heads in it. it still had the original head wow, and they were all like cl- paper yeah they were all clear heads um, except for the snare drum which had a very beaten up ambassador <laughs> on it and just i don't know man and even the engineer was like i have never ever heard a kit that crap sound that good <laughs> wow like, there you go and he just knew exactly how to hit the drums like he just knew where to hit them kind of goes back to your jimmy chamberlain sorry and not yeah. that that by no means am I suggesting that exports are crap No, but I'm just saying like if you know how to strike the drums yeah, yeah. It hit, it's like for half the battle wow. and he just knew exactly where to hit the snare to get the best pop out of it wow. knew where to hit the toms to where they were at their dead spot how were they just, tuned uh, They weren't basically he just like he didn't really know how to tune drums. He just like he just more or less beat them into submission. <laughs> like, and he was just like, Cool, you sound great. And then he just because the engineer was just like, Oh, you need to bring a drum kit. And he was like, Cool. So he brought a drum kit. He brought the only drum kit he had. And it just so happened Fifth, that like it was, it was a, a session pro and it sounded amazing. As he Josh like, Freeze, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and a <laughs> wig. Yeah,
1: you're really good pals with Josh Freeze.
0: It turns out, yeah. Um, but I, I was bl- mind blown. But if I can find a recording, I'll try and link it below. I don't think it exists. Okay. But, uh, how, or now it exists?
1: How long do you think before things like EAD ten are pure normal in a studio? Not as long as I would think. Can you know what I mean? Just
0: fire that right in a laptop. Yeah. Boom. That's crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Crazy. I think, regardless of that, though, you're always going to need a room.
1: Yeah, and you're going right. to need an engineer and all that. But like, if yeah. you know, if you want a decent, or you want a pure punk lo-fi demo, mm-hmm. man, fire! You know, just you know, get the guide track, fire that on, mm-hmm. knock it out, send it away, done, done. You yep. know, live sounding, sounds really cool, authentic. Yeah, you know, you've seen some of those videos that Simon's put up with, like this is the sound off the EAD. Like, uh huh.
2: Whoa,
0: it's... dude! You know, dude. Party on, man! I'm i'm excited that things like the ead 10 exist mm-hmm. because it's kind of like a i'm 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 cu- cool. this is amazing that this exists but what's gonna be here that wasn't here five years ago <laughs> yeah man. that's even better
1: yeah do you know what i mean like, between that and between electronic drums getting better so that they pick up more ghost notes you know the pads get much more sensitive yeah looking at the emerge kit it'd be really interesting to take a line out of the e kit into logic and see what happens mm-hmm because that's got a microphone inside it as well as the the, the wave technology. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So you can you know you do the Benny Grab finger thing where you play a side stick and then touch touch the sail with your fingers. Mm-hmm. And it picks that up. Wow. So without any of the weird latency or end like that, it's going to be really intriguing to see what you can do with electronic drums for recording. Yeah. Fascinating, man.
0: I think the only way they can further improve it is if they just get like, uh, like an AI like robot. Like, to just come and play the drums for you. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, like, you buy the kit, you get the drummer. Uh-huh. You know, you get someone to do your session. Mm-hmm. be amazing.
0: I mean, how realistic they're right, and I might sound like a pure, like, um, Y2K, mm-hmm. like, the world's going to end kind of thing, um, person, but how long, or how far away do you think it is to where it is literally like you say, like, you buy a kit, and it's like, man, do you want to buy a, a Josh Freese sample pack? And well you can like... already
1: do it man you can get like um i want that sound it's got artist series packs but what i mean
0: is like you like oh, what am well, i even no, trying to
1: say doing it there's a company called loop loft right. who were doing like you could buy eric Harlan playing mm-hmm. and it's a loop of him playing something right okay so it's already out there Oh, okay uh, um okay, but so i don't know not. how how you know far it would go because you know i don't know that the market is ready to accept that yet so you know to pay josh reese to come and do two days in a studio versus what you're going to make back selling the loop pack mm-hmm. i don't know if that equates yet yeah you know you'd be as well just employ them to do the session mm-hmm. it'd probably be cheaper probably yeah. but i you know I, I don't know what you mean it's really fascinating I, I don't know that acoustic drums recording will ever go away because you're not moving air with anything else and you can't really beat that sound a guitarist friend of mine's really into that like He had a Kemper, which is these amp profilers that you just plug right into the system. You don't carry an amp, so it's uh, without the PA, it makes no sound. Mm -hmm. But they sound super authentic, like you can get Eddie uh, Van Halen's guitar sound on it, and it's like Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, And he loved it for a minute, and then was like, just live, I'm just not moving any air, I'm just not getting, I I want that amp sound back. Mm -hmm. And when I saw Benny Greb last week, Chris Montague, who was playing guitar, was frightening and his sound was a real core thing you know mm-hmm. so you've got to try, to try and replicate that in the studio I think would be too challenged yeah so I don't know that like that'll ever fully take over you know mm-hmm. like they thought it would in the 80s when drum machines were going to take make the drummer obsolete but it mm-hmm. just didn't you know Yeah. 808s and 909s are great and Simmons pads are great but a drummer's still a drummer
0: you know True. Yeah, true but who knows where it'll go you know that's what I mean like I'm trying to think of even what I meant by that like like, I had it in my mind, it's like, man, like, how far away are we to where, like, you do turn up to a session and, like, next thing, Thomas Bridgen or something like that's, like, on the grid already and he's, like, I don't, I don't know, well, I'm, I mean, I'm more r- thinking out loud. I'm no, yeah,
1: think. I, th- I think, you know, because there are remote sessions, so, you you know, it's it's no problem for you to get Rush Miller if you're a bass player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could turn up as a guitar player and you're playing with Russ Miller. I've played with Damon Minchella from Ocean Colour Scene. What? I've never met Damon Minchella. Mm-hmm. He did the bass on... The, the, the track, with the, the stuff that I did with the guy who had to fix the click track. Mm-hmm. Damon Minchella played the bass on that. Whoa. But I've never met the dude. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of thing already kind of happens where, you know, you'll get... Easily get remote tracks. On. And it was remote because the guy... Who put it together Was living in London Mm -hmm. So he just sent me the tracks I did the drums Sent them back He was over the moon Sent them to Damon Who played the bass on them Sent them back Mm -hmm. He then played the guitar and vocals Wow So it's all Like I've been on a record With Damon Michello Whether or not It's ever seen the light of day Is I don't know But you know what I mean Mm -hmm. That's already there Yeah So You know you could If you're not a drummer You could quite easily turn up And be playing with Pridgin And never actually know Mm Mm-hmm. You know, never have a clue. Yeah. And I was remember reading and uh, listening to a guy talk about, i have talked again, talking about Josh Rees and uh, he'd done a, tr- a session on drums and a week later came back to do a session on bass to find out he'd been replaced on drums. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was like, that's not me. And he was like, ah, oh, sorry, man. Yeah, we, we switched you out. And he's like,
0: "All right, okay." Have you ever been in that situation? Have you turned Uh, up to the studio and your drums have been replaced by someone else?
1: No, because any recording situation I've been on has been in a band, right? Okay. Apart from that one kind of session thing I did, so um, I I haven't either. But I was just curious. um, So yeah, I'm. I'm not on. I don't have any prolific recording career where that would be a a a thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Imagine like just getting into the mindset of someone who has been replaced. Like, man, that must be like pretty hard to take in. Well, only if you find out. Well, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's only these guys that ghost
1: drum on stuff, um, and the band never know.
0: This is where I, I always like thinking about the psychological element of this. So, imagine you're a young drummer in like one of your favourite songs, like, and you think it's this drummer when it's actually someone who's like Josh Freese, and you don't even know it, but you think it's like someone else. Yeah, totally. Like, man, just that's when it comes like. You know, guys have got a sound. Then you
1: mm-hmm. know, if um or if you know, if you go and see that band live, and you're like, that's not how it sounds. Mm-hmm. When I listen to it, yeah, you know, funny. Um, but I guess that's just to get the track right, man. That's that's of course, yeah. To, that's, you know, that's sometimes that's where he's got to go.
2: Yeah,
0: totally.
1: Um, so
0: yeah, um, that's a lot of that's pretty deep, bro. It was pretty deep, but yeah. like, it's, it's just chatting, it. Yeah, yeah. Just chat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's stuff I've always kind of thought about, like when you listen to records, like man like how are they getting that sound how mm. what are they mm-hmm. using on that scene like have you got to the point yet where you can identify a drum in a recording because oh. i know there's some guitarists who can identify if something's a gibson or a fender
1: oh man i don't know like i think i can i could probably blind test drummers
0: right more than the actual gear
1: yeah and then by you know law of deduction Just by association You know, knowing what they play. mm -hmm. I could probably do that. But I don't think I could just be like, oh, that's a Black Panther
0: or Snare." Yeah. Like... I reckon I could... I think I could maybe pick out a Black Beauty, a Ludwig Black Beauty. uh, I'm not... I I don't think I could.
1: You don't think so, no? No, I don't think I could. I think I... I, Maybe, like, on an old school recording, Mm -hmm. but anything pre... Sorry, anything post... 80s, 90s Where effects and Processors and all that Changed Yeah Probably not um, I don't think so No I don't think so um, My ears are not that good Right um, I mean I could probably You know I could probably Take a punt at say and I think that's brass mm-hmm. I think that's maple um, But I would probably Be drastically wrong And I, I remember When the shop Did a clinic Its very first clinic Was with a guy called Ron Dahler. 2006 and he did some sessions in new york and he let us hear this track he was like what kind of snare drums this and everybody was like it's like a 14 by 8 a 14 by 7 he's like nah it's like a 14 by 3 and we just managed to make it sound absolutely enormous yeah so there's all that wizardry goes on so like you know i probably would struggle to do that like Mm -hmm. but i could probably identify alex van halen really quickly yeah yeah right. just like he has a sound man mm-hmm. he has a sound you know so i could probably hear him go yeah i think that's Ali van Halen, or i think that's vinnie or i think that's dave wickle or jimmy chamberlain or do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. out of context i could probably hear them and be like yeah i think that's like that yeah
0: yeah totally
1: having said all that do you play rock band you ever played rock oh, band? oh yeah, yeah totally. Do you know how you can get isolated drum tracks now yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. all that stuff's on youtube so you could probably find out you know, you do a Green Day track and you hear the drums like, oh, it's Trey mm. playing Ludwig. That's what that sounds like. You could maybe teach yourself to do it. I don't yeah. know. Um, you know, but you could like certainly identify like Ringo straight away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Dave Grohl straight away. Mm-hmm. You know, but then you, you don't
0: you just don't know what they played in the studio. I know. Yeah, that's it's kind of you know. Did Dave play Tama? Who knows?
1: Nir, Nirvana records. Who knows what Butch, Butch Vig had in the studio when they were making those records? You know, mm-hmm. so. Did they play Yamaha? You know, like yeah. there's all those stories of guys just hiding in Gretsch kits for the studio, and because they apparently sound great. Yeah, well, who knows?
0: It's amazing as well. Like, how many instances do you think this is? Just where my brain goes, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, appear, I, would like, if I was a stoner, like this is kind of like, <laughs> dude, what about like, how often do you think there's been a decision made on a drum, like either a take or, like an instrument used or whatever Mm -hmm. that's like been so insignificant at the time but it's like man like that wouldn't be that song without that if you know what i mean i think that happens a lot do you think it happens like like just like oh can you just play
1: this yeah i get super nerdy right so i read i used (laughs) to really thanks (laughs) (laughs) i wish you'd mentioned (laughs) Um, thank you luke skywalker no um i used to read drum magazines all the time there was a magazine called drumhead it's still around it's jonathan mover who uh is a tremendous drummer uh, it's his magazine and he did a huge spread with matt chamberlain who's mm-hmm. another massive session guy mm-hmm. and at the time he was playing Craviotto drums and he went into the studio and he set his kit up he put his snare drum up and they did a take and the engineer was like yeah man sounds great sounds great uh and came into the the live room and was like oh what's that snare drum and he's like oh it's such a such oh like put that Black Beauty up It's like yeah that sounds better now so he had no idea what drum he was playing ahead of seeing it mm-hmm. and he'd done a take and told him it sounded magic oh wow but then sees it's not a Black Beauty it's like no it has to be that it's
0: like so that stuff I think happens a lot do you think that is then part of what you're talking about how an engineer knows the room they also know what gear will do what
1: Oh, maybe, but like, I just think it's fascinating that the guy who was like, yeah, it sounds amazing, man. Mm-hmm. And then was like, oh, it's not that? Oh, all of a sudden it doesn't sound amazing? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. oh, dude, it sounded amazing a minute ago, so why are we changing it out? Oh, yeah, you know, just it's, it's the drum, right? You know, that kind of thing? Yeah. Who knows, man? But certainly not me, because I've not got a, enough of a career in it. But it's really fascinating to hear these guys talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I think, anyway. Yeah. So it's really interesting article that... Because um, he was talking about, you know, he he played Istanbul and uh, Agop and Craviol, and he said I his whole thing was I'll go to great lengths to get those particular products for a session. Mm-hmm. But if the engineer wants me to use a sixty three new classic uh, classic maple rather than I'll use that because mm-hmm. if that's what the track needs, then that's my job. Yeah, you know, my job is not being precious about what symbols I have to play on a session. It's more getting the sound right and getting the track right you
0: know this is i didn't know if you knew this but this is a big reason why uh, aaron sterling of uh mm-hmm. john mayer mm-hmm. why he doesn't endorse a drum company mm. he has a cymbals he has sticks mm-hmm. he has pedals but he's mm-hmm. like man i just want to be able to f- be free and use what i want to use yeah. for the songs for yeah. the tracks yeah. like i think in john for john mayer he's playing a custom company in america called sugar like right. called sugar percussion and that's the kit he's using for touring with John well, Mayer.
1: It's really weird because I had heard him, it's maybe changed, but he was talking about he had an old, an old 60s thing. Mm-hmm. An old Peril 60s thing. 2012-14 mm-hmm. that he took out on tour and, and Mayer would just ship it wherever they
0: wanted to go. Yeah. I think this sugar kit's the same. Right. But it's just like, man, I don't endorse drums because I want to have the freedom of being able to use like, oh, I feel like playing Ludwig mm-hmm. today. You yeah, know? yeah. And I totally get that. He's like, symbols, Istanbul for life, yeah, pretty yeah. much. But, yeah, drums are the one thing I'll not endorse.
1: Do you follow on Instagram? Do you follow follow Blair Sinta? I don't think I do. He's no. great for all this stuff. Really, he played for um, Alanis Morissette at a point. He's played for Josh Groban, but he's also a, a like an LA session dude. And you you see him play like twenty inch marching bass drums and like wow, yeah, cool. radio kings snare drums and using really weird brushes and sticks and all that stuff. And he's like that. I think he's Istanbul. But I don't know what drums he plays. But yeah, he's into the wacky. Mm -hmm. You know, checking all that stuff out, you know. Yeah. It's really, really great to see all that. Follow his Instagram, man. It's really cool. I think I will. And you'll see him like, he'll post footage of him doing a take. And like, going back to what you are talking about, not playing hi-hats, but he's playing the air. Yeah, you know, so that the right hand's still moving, and so it's all still in time, which I think is really hip. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just all about getting that sound, in it? Totally.
0: Yeah, you know, like Andrew, uh, Aaron, Andrew, Andrew, Aaron Sterling put up a video not too long ago, and it was of. Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong, so I'm just gonna double check and make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really good player. That guy. He's phenomenal.
1: He's uh, have you played his uh, Istanbul symbols?
0: Uh, I have. I've had a go on the 22 inch ride. Yeah. And it sounds insane. It sounds awesome. We the another one
1: the other day. Um, yeah, they're just super cool. They, so, those symbols are modeled after like a 60s Avedis and a, a 602. Really? Yeah. So, he sent two symbols to Istanbul. I got up and like, can you make these, please? And they did. So, yeah, they sound absolutely mega. Um, he's really interesting dude, that guy.
0: He's awesome. And like, so, so his Instagram stuff, have you seen the stuff where he. He plays back in black, black, but he shifts it like a semitone. A semi-quaver. A semi-quaver, sorry. Um, I'm not technical with all this. (laughs) I found a video um, I'm talking about, and he's got uh, a up of video of him playing with a early 2000s Ludwig hand-hammered bronze 14 by 6.5. Right. This drum sounds amazing. He calls it LeBron's James, which I thought was quite good. Um, but this drum sounds amazing, and it's like just super, super fat sounding. It's just it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's awesome. He's, he's currently playing in the background. Just while um, I double-checked it. Um, where are you on all that big, fat snare drum stuff for recording stuff? I love it. Right. I think it's really great for achieving sounds very, very quickly. I've used it on one recording, Right. so... I think it was, was it last year? Year before 2018? It was 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing some uh, demo recordings for the wedding band uh, and I had my 1960s uh, Ludwig Superphonic right uh, LM400. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used it and it was great for all the kind of like rockier kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just that kind of sound. Engineers like, great. And one of the songs we were recording, I can't remember which song it was specifically, but that sound just it wasn't working right because it was just far too sharp and like i I, i'm perhaps at that point in time wasn't skilled enough tuning wise to get it to sound deeper than what it was okay um and it was old as well and like the hardware is not always the best on it you know um so i was like oh i've got this in my bag so just put a 14 inch just regular big fat snare drum on it Boof, done perfect imagine engineer's like what snare is that like dude it's the same one he's like but how and I'm like, well right. <laughs> Well now. Um have you used them a lot? I've used them more live actually. Yeah.
1: More than alive. I've than I've used them in the studio. Uh, I need to buy another one because I, I was playing a thirteen snare for the longest time. So I have a thirteen Big Fat Snare drum, but I don't have one for a fourteen. Mm-hmm. So I, I should get one. And uh, yeah, it's it's like a really quick way uh to get that sound. Just really quickly. Like that really fat dead sound really and yeah. like no time at all. So. And it's
0: astonishing how quick it happens as well. Yeah. It's yeah. like wow, yeah. Like so it's a different drum. Yeah, yeah, instantly a different drum. Have you ever experimented with one on a floor tom? Yes, I yeah. have. I have. What do you
1: think? I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really cool. It's really yeah, I've great. done that as well. Um, so I, even the thirteen would work on the the floor tom, but um, uh-huh. it it moves around. Yeah, that's so. I wouldn't do. It. I wouldn't put it on a snare for yeah. fear of it like bouncing about and stuff. And you just the last thing you want is that kind of disaster.
0: And actually, just off the back of you saying that, that's how my thirteen-inch one split. Because I had it on a 14 inch floor tom and it was just kind of rolling around oh, a little I bit and they just kept hitting it. And there's a little plastic, little plastic kind of like grabber where you can like yeah, grab yeah, yeah, it. Fr- that came off. Oh no. And then I hit it. Like I, obviously, I hit it and that plastic thing came off eh, because it was rolling around, it wasn't uh-huh. staying stationary um and then because it was rolling around my stick then caught the the exposed uh, part and no, it started no. to kind of yeah, break yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah that's word to the wise yeah. use the correct size yeah snare weights are a thing yeah snare weights are great, great. paul I, used one in the studio he did eh? yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so he used a, a brass one with the 70s uh half of the 70s yeah half of the 70s thing um I'm a total convert for those man. I was really skeptical when they came out about, yeah, is this just knitted and and going to be a bit vibey? Is this
0: just a gimmick? But yeah, it's totally not. It's totally not. They are amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, convert to those. For anyone who's never used one before, um, there's a few different models. So there's the M1B, which is quite a small kind of piece of leather. That's kind of the first point of access to this new kind of brand. Um. And it kind of is is curved so it fits onto the triple flange hoop and it also fits around the kind of bearing edge of the drum, um, sits on top of the head and it magnetises to the triple flange hoop. You've then got the next one up from that which is the M80. So imagine that kind of small little leather times two as a one kind of piece. Um, and they're really interesting. So how how those guys work is when you strike the drum, it lifts off the head. Mm-hmm. and then gravity obviously takes over and it falls right back down so it kind of acts almost like a natural gate for the drum you're still getting the full tone of the drum but none of the horrendous or potentially game-breaking overtones that you would usually get yes yeah, um, and then yeah. the big brass kind of um accessory as well is just something else that just puts so much weight on the drum that it just kills all the overtones and all the kind of horrible noises but yeah still and, you
1: a good and the M1s don't clip the die cast hoops so you need this because the hoop's too thick and yeah and for some reason magnets and die cast hoops don't go together it must be something in the process of making them so yeah the the bigger one works for die cast hoops as well but yeah they're a really great way to get that kind of sound as well Mm -hmm,
0: they also work on floor toms as well yeah yeah for sure for sure Mm. yeah man Man, we've got some some real deep chat. I'm interested to, when we get our special guest on to talk yeah. about some some engineering stuff, I'm interested to see the process from their perspective. For sure. As an engineer, yeah, yeah. listening to a drummer, what are they listening for? What yeah, are yeah. they, like, fre- even frequency-wise,
1: like... Yeah. How are, are that... your ears different from ours? Uh-huh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, big time, big time. On that note, guys, if you do have any kind of engineering or recording questions or topics that you would like us to try and broach fire something at us
0: yeah fire something at us so um will we bring it home we yeah bring it we'll home? bring
1: it home man because we've been here for ages now and, and I, <laughs> do you need to pee again <laughs> no i don't need to pee again i need to eat though yeah it's 8 p.m wow is it 8 p.m it's 8 p.m see
0: that's what happens when you talk drums all day yeah bro
1: um so um yep um instas oh yep. okay what what's coming up do we have any coming up events-wise? I don't think we do, like, before the next one will be out.
0: I don't think we do at the moment, but keep an eye on all the socials. You can find us on Facebook at DrummersOnlyUK. You can find us on Twitter at Drummers Only UK, Um Instagram at Drummers Only UK. Um Go over to the website, DrummersOnly.co.uk. You can find all the latest. Uh, join the mailing list so you can get all the latest mm, on. Discount codes, um, artist announcements... um. When your grand's having their next tea party, all that kind of good stuff, um, will be on the mailing list. So make sure to subscribe to that come and see us in glasgow and leeds yeah we'll link the the i'll
1: try and go through this and link the products that we talked about yes eds snare weights
0: big fat snare yeah snare drums which you can get on drummersonly.co.uk you can can drop us an email if you've got any questions um or if you've got a part x inquiry Mm or you've got all that kind of good stuff you can do that on info at drummersonly.co.uk. um and apart from that yeah make sure you subscribe to the podcast leave a nice review uh, leave a nice rating if you want um, and let us know how we're doing yeah yeah please feedback is always greatly appreciated yes
1: absolutely big or small yep uh nothing else that's i'm good man are you good good party on party on garth see you next time guys Bye, bye bye